0: All right, so we've talked about the appealing God's word one passage at a time, which is exactly what we're going to do. If you take your Bibles, go to Colossians chapter 1 this morning, and uh, as we think about the church that God's love is building, we're talking this morning about Thanksgiving, and this literally, we're going to center on the concept of Thanksgiving, because folks, that's exactly what we'll uh, be celebrating this coming week. So I, I ask that uh, we really would get our minds focused in on Thanksgiving. Now, when we commonly, when we go to the Thanksgiving table, and maybe that you have a tradition, something like this, and uh, if the folks gather around the table, and uh, maybe someone says, okay, before we eat or maybe after we eat, uh, every single person at the table has got to say something they're thankful for. And of course, if you've got a large family, by the time you get to the end, that can be, I've got to think up something, right? But uh, uh, what I want us to do is kind of caveat away from that concept this morning. When we think about being thankful, we have so many things we can be thankful for. We can talk about our jobs, we can talk about our our family, we can talk about loved ones, we can talk about uh, recreational things. Just, I mean, the the, the sky's the limit on things that God blesses us with here in America. And yet, I was, and uh, Justin, again, you'll enjoy this, I was listening to VCY yesterday and Uh, They were doing kind of a historical piece on the Puritans. And we move all the way back to the time of the Puritans, and we fast forward to 2020. The Puritans, who were, I mean, by nature, and one of the reasons they called them the Puritans, they believed in a very uh, pure interpretation of the scriptures. They believed in living for God. And the tremendous cultural change that has taken place across the world and across America from when Sunday used to be a time dedicated, I mean, every day was dedicated, but Sunday was a day, this is God's day. I mean, literally, nobody basically moved. When I was a child, uh, all the stores were closed, the businesses were closed, Sunday um, maybe rightly or wrongly was literally considered a sabbath now of course Saturday's the jewish sabbath but uh, we've gotten away over the hundreds of years since the puritans to where the church uh, sent the centrality of christ the centrality of worship the centrality of knowing who god is and being walking with him every single moment boy the longer that uh, gap is between when christ was here Uh, the further we're getting away from that. Now you say, well, what do you mean by that? Where where are you going with it? I'm just bringing out a a historical, cultural fact that the church has moved tremendously from where it was uh, from when the pilgrims, if you will, came. We have so much to do. We have so many blessings. We have so much money. And you say, brother, that's not me. I don't have, and, and yes, we do. Despite the fact you may be going penny to penny, you still probably have a place you live in today. You're not homeless. You still have food on the table. You still have clothes on our back. And you may not be living in luxury, but God has blessed every one of us, no matter how rich or poor we are, with a tremendous existence here in America. But I want to get away from all that as well. I want us to come back to the centrality of who we are as God's people. What does Jesus mean to me? What does Jesus mean to you? And I specifically asked Josh, and it was well done, to uh, do the power of the cross this morning. Folks, when when we do the singing, when we do the worship time, when the music comes out, It's to focus on the words, what is the meaning? Folks, and that's another reason I didn't come forward until after that song was done, because I can't get through that song without tears going down my face. The power of the cross, what Jesus did to uh, take me out of a, a sinful condition and give us new life in Christ. Is there anything that we should be more thankful for than what Jesus did for us? Is there anything on earth? Is there any blessing? Is there any car? Is there any home? Is there any meal? Is there any school? Is there any job that supersedes the love of Christ for us and has promised us eternal life with him? Nothing. And folks, if you're saying, well, you know, I'm I'm thinking some other things are pretty important. We've missed the point. There's nothing that compares to what Jesus Christ has promised us for eternity. 60, 70, 80, maybe 90 or 100 years on this earth. And then we're talking about eternity. Doesn't even scratch the surface of the length of time that we'll sojourn here on earth. What does Jesus mean to me? And am I thankful for him? A couple of questions for us this morning. How difficult is it to tell someone, thank you? There's two things that are hard for most American people to say. I'm sorry, and thank you. How easy is it to take even wonderful things in our daily lives for granted? Well, that does get back to the Thanksgiving concept. Are we truly thankful for what we have? It's a rat race, isn't it? Climb to the highest, keep moving up the ladder, trying to get enough money, trying to get a new car, trying to get a new house, trying to get better clothes, All these things that we just push, push, push for. How easy is it to take those things for granted? Is it easier to ask God for things or to thank him? When we have prayer time, whether it's individual or corporate, when we put on our prayer list, what do we put on a prayer list? We don't usually put on the prayer list, well, I'm really thankful for X, Whatever X may be. I'm really thankful that God supplied our needs. I'm really thankful that uh, so-and-so got saved this week. I'm really thankful that I had an opportunity uh, to witness for Christ. I'm really thankful that I was able to get to church. I'm really thankful that uh, I've been healed from whatever sickness I might have had. And, and we don't put those things on our prayer list usually. Because it's so much easier as uh, with our sinful human natures, if you want, It's not necessarily sinful. But it's much, much easier for us to say, Lord, here's what I need. And you know, we usually tell the Lord what we want and how he better do it, right? I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just human nature. Well, Lord, I need X. And I really expect it to happen. And sometimes God says what? Nope. <laughs> Something to think about. And God, in the passage we're going to look at this morning, we're going to examine three guaranteed assurances for believers in Jesus Christ, for which we or they should be eternally thankful. Take your Bibles, uh, it'll also be on the screen for you. We're going to read uh, six verses. I'm only going to speak on the last three this morning, but we're going to read Colossians uh, chapter one, verses nine through 11. Colossians 1, 9 through 11. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to ask, here's the petition, And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and longsuffering with joy. Now that's the introductory statement. Now here's what we'll be speaking on. Giving thanks. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And you're going to keep seeing these two words, be thankful. The first thing we want to look at this morning, are we thankful for a guaranteed inheritance? Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Let's look at a couple of things. First of all, we start out with, he says, we want to give thanks to the Father. And that's the whole concept that we're going to be stressing this morning. Are we truly thankful for what God has given us? Are we thankful for the inheritance, which we'll talk about? It's an amazing passage. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. All right, so let's stop at the word qualified, and it's up on the screen for you. Qualified simply means to be able, to be sufficient, to make some sufficient, to render competent or worthy, to be fit. What does all that mean? He's saying, listen, I have an inheritance for you, Christian. And God is stressing when he talks about that you are qualified to receive this inheritance. In other words, it would be like going to the attorney. Those of you who uh, make wills and so forth, if you have a will, you go to the attorney and they draw up the papers. And on that specific will, it outlines exactly what each person or persons will receive if you pass away. And God is saying here, Christian, you have an inheritance. Because I've qualified you. Now, there's a couple of qualifiers to get uh, the inheritance from the Lord. Number one, you've got to be a Christian. There are no positive inheritances, if you will, for those who have not trusted Christ. There is an unfortunate matter of fact that will take place for those who don't trust Christ. They have an inheritance as well, if you will, but it's not a good one. It's called the eternal lake of fire in Revelation 21.8. That's not a good inheritance. But God says to the Christians, listen, folks, I got something for you. And I made sure that you are qualified. When you placed your faith in the Jesus Christ, when you realized you were a sinner, when you realized you were contemned, when you realized Christ went to that cross and died on it for you, and not only did you realize those facts, but you accepted his free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, you all automatically, God says, bam, you are qualified. I fight. It's sure. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Here's a couple of verses: Ephesians chapter two, verses one through three. And you, Christian, has he made alive? You were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of di- disobedience. We're talking about Satan, the devil, among whom also we all once. Here's how we were before we if you will, trusted Christ before we receive the inheritance among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others God is saying, Christian, this is where we were this is the place we used to be can you remember back then? Some of you that may recently have trusted Christ as your Savior, and uh, you've been saved out of uh, things that you once did and once thought and a different lifestyle that you had, and all of a sudden Jesus Christ comes into your life and you're transformed. I just love, and and Richard's here, and many of you know Richard Trushan, uh, been teaching uh, multiple classes here at at Union Grove Baptist. And before Richard got saved and... uh, he, uh, he was a little more of a party kind of guy. And as soon as he got saved, his life was transformed. Now the interesting thing, and here's why I like to talk about, it, and I brought it up before, Richard got so excited after he trusted Christ. He wanted his friends to know about it. He's excited. He understands the value of trusting Christ. He understands he has an inheritance in heaven. He understood, my life has been changed. I'm no longer living for myself. I'm going to live for God. And he said, I'm going to tell my friends. All those party friends. And he says, hey guys. One-on-one, all of a sudden, it's like, man, you know, I just, the greatest thing in the world happened to me. I trusted Christ as my Savior. Man, are you ready to do it? I I mean, it's the greatest thing. And they said, uh, hey, Richard, I, uh, you know, I got to go uh, check out something. Uh, We'll get back to you on that. Well, uh, oh, hey, you over there? Hey, hey, uh, 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 you know what happened to me? I, I gotta tell you about this. It's fantastic. I, 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 I didn't know Jesus, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, I understood who Jesus was, and understood I needed to trust Him. And uh, uh, this is something you need to do and embrace. It's just fantastic. They said, uh, Richard, why don't you just get out of my face? Go away. You been there? Uh, We get so excited. And folks, you know, uh, uh, and I like to say, uh, many folks, you get excited and and you get saved maybe in your uh, teen years or your uh, 20s, 30s, 40s. And all of a sudden you've you've realized, my life has been transformed. And then you start to tell your friends and neighbors, And what do they do? Well, a few may embrace it, but what do the majority do? Get away from me. Not interested. Don't give me that holy roller stuff. Take your Bible and go somewhere else. What does that do to you when you get rejected? What does it do? Do you like being rejected? It hurts. Thank you. It hurts. And all of a sudden, that excitement that we had when we first got saved and and the willingness to tell other folks about Christ, all of a sudden becomes hard. And God says, would you please remember, Christian, look what I saved you from. Look what I took you out of. Don't be discouraged. Don't Sit back in the, uh, 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 the chair, if you will, but stand up for Jesus Christ. Love him. Yes, we're going to be rejected at times. But folks, may I also say, many times we're not rejected. But the old devil says, ah, you got rejected by 10 people. And the 11th person, yeah, okay, so one person said yes to Christ, but 10 didn't. That's not a very good batting average. It's a great batting average. Because one person, the, 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 the Bible tells us that the, uh, the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that comes to Christ. Amen? Folks, it's all about serving Jesus. It's all about loving him. It's all about being thankful from where we came and where we're going. Let's move on. Uh, Colossians 1.12, uh, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. You're qualified in Christ to be partakers of the inheritance? What's the inheritance? The word inheritance literally means for the portion of the lot. In other words, what's he saying? When you take a will and you fill it out, and uh, maybe if you have property or you've got uh, um, furniture or you've got cars or you've got money, what do you do? You specifically state in the will who's going to get what. That's exactly what happens. And God uses that exact scenario stating this. Christian, every single person here who's a Christian, you've trusted Christ. I got something waiting for you. It's waiting. You're going to get it. Nobody can take it from you. It's your portion of the lot. In other words, God has promised in his holy word that the day you pass away, You're going to be up with him and enjoy whatever that inheritance is. Well, I'll tell you what the big inheritance is, is eternal life with Christ. That's unbeatable. Now, whether I get a little cottage in the back of heaven or a nice mansion in the front, don't really care. Don't really care, but God said, uh, and uh, you go back to John fourteen, and He talks about. Uh, uh, he said, "When I go away, I'm going to prepare a, a place for you, and in My house are many uh, mansions or dwelling places." And we're all like, "Woo! I'm going to finally get to live in that million-dollar mansion." Well, I don't know about that. God doesn't describe it. We just have some uh, very basic concepts. But here's the here's the thing: our material our material minds say, "Ah." Wow, you know, I'm finally going to be able to live. I'm not going to have to worry about where my money's coming from. I'm not going to have to worry about where food or my home or whatever's coming from. And God says, "Wow, really? Really? Do You know what the benefit of heaven is? A relationship with Jesus for eternity. That's it. And that's enough. God has an inheritance there for you. Christians have their literal portion of the inheritance. Let's move on. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. What is the light? Psalm 119 130 tells us the entrance of your words give light. Your words. Folks, You've heard preachers say this ever since you started going to church. The blessed word of God, where does it sit for six out of seven days a week, right? like, <laughs> ah, don't do that again to us. You know, being a pastor is hard sometimes. Because I love seeing people. I love seeing God's people. And I never, ever, ever want to say anything that makes you go, ah. I wish he wouldn't have gone there. But folks, you know what? If a pastor doesn't give, the whole counsel of God shouldn't be a pastor. 2 Timothy 3.16 reminds us that the word of God, that the preacher is responsible not only for bringing the good things, but for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So it's like Ah, I've got to remind you sometimes that, yeah, there are Christian disciplines we need to follow. And the Bible makes it very clear, if you're struggling, if you're having a tough time, if you don't know how to deal with life, if you will, God calls us to what? His word. Your words give light. Now, folks, as you see, we have all these brand new chandeliers that came in, nice bright bulbs. It's very easy to see in the light. When you turn out all these beautiful bright bulbs that we have on right now, it's dark. I watched one person a few weeks ago. They walked in and they fell down because they missed a stair. They didn't see it. When you're not walking in the light, you stumble. You can fall. You can literally get hurt. And God's saying if we're in his word, you'll find the light. For you were once darkness, but now you as well are light in the world. God asks us Christian, to walk as his children of light. Showing love to others. Helping others. Being a, being a person that sheds the light of Christ to other people. It is the most important thing in the world. You say, well, you're, you're a pastor. That's what, uh, that's what we want you to say. It's the right thing to say. No, folks, it's not because I'm a pastor. It's because ever since I trusted Christ as a teenager, it is exactly what God asked me to do, whether I'm in the pulpit, out of the pulpit, working, doing whatever it is over the years that I've been alive. And it's the same for every one of us. Are we thankful that we can be, if you will, the light of the world? How about thankful for a guaranteed deliverance? Verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Delivered us, rescued us to draw to oneself. God said, listen, you were out there, you were away from me, you were apart from me, you were separated from me. You're out in the world and God reached down and he pulled you to himself. You say, well, wait a minute. I made that decision to trust Christ. I'll tell you what, folks, if the Holy Spirit hadn't called you, if he wasn't working on your heart, you never would have come to him. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. That's a good thing. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Wow. He has delivered us, he's rescued us, he's pulled us out of, the, out of the drudge, he's pulled us out of the fire, he's pulled us out of the muck. And, and, and I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where, where you're, you're falling and you, you're just involved in a world that is just consuming you. People that have thought about suicide, people that have thought about hurting themselves, people that just are at the end of their rope or they're caught in uh, alcoholism or drugs or other things that are consuming them. And it's like you're in a, like you see in Africa every now and then, somebody walks into the wrong spot, and all of a sudden they hit quicksand and they start to go down. Maybe you've seen videos of it. And someone, they're panicking, and it's like, don't move, don't move, because the more you move, the further down you go and someone hopefully gets a a branch off a tree or a rope or something, and they throw it out to the person, and they gently pull them out of the quicksand until they are freed. He has delivered us, rescued us. Think about back when I was working on with the sheriff's office on the road, and you'd have a horrible crash. And people would be pinned inside of a vehicle. And at times the fires would start. And people are pinned inside and they're screaming and they're yelling for help. They're half unconscious but they're panicking. And the fire department comes and uh, gets the jaws of life out and they rip those doors open as quick as they can. They're they're pouring water on everything, trying not to suffocate the people while they're trying to get them out of that uh, car that's ready to explode or that people are literally cramped inside. They're so cramped they can't move. Limbs are busted. And God God, God says, listen, you are like a, a person that's stuck in a car. It's ready to explode. It's ready to go on fire. And I come down and I rescued you from that burning vehicle and I've given you a new life are you thankful for that to draw to oneself the power of what does that mean he has delivered us from the power of darkness the domain of darkness the authority of darkness the deep dark satanic side of life folks I make it clear as much as I can we are in a battle every single day of our life. If you're a Christian, somebody's coming after you, and his name's Satan in the demonic army. Satan does not want you to succeed. The demonic army does not want you to succeed. And God says, I've delivered you from that. How do you get delivered from it? You give your life to Jesus. You stay inside this word, as we've already looked at. You stay in the light. You stay away from darkness. You turn off the pornography. Say, so, oh, you breached a bad subject there, Pastor. I did. Turn it off. Get rid of it. I, I, I like to uh, watch things on the internet, or, or, and it may not be that. It could be some totally other thing that's totally ungodly, and it puts you in a bad spot, and you know it does. And God says, I try to deliver you from it. Would you let me deliver you? I like to watch violence and uh, uh, see people killing one another. And I'm like, is that, is that a good godly activity? Some of our video games, it's like, oh boy, here he goes. I haven't gone here yet since I've been here, have I? Mm-hmm. You're like, well, pastor, we can vote you out as quick as we voted you in. <laughs> yes, he can. But folks, you know, if I don't put the truth out there and you're struggling with these things, and you know they're wrong, I don't have to tell you that. Well, I go to the office and uh, yeah, I see some maybe uh female or a male depending on who you are that draws my attention and they're nice to me and they're, ah, it's just so wonderful and my spouse isn't always so loving and don't go there! Is that plain enough? <laughs> folks, I love you and I care about you. And I don't know that any of those things are in here but folks, there's Probably 170, 180 folks here today. Yeah, it's in here. I don't know who it is. And one day you're going to call me on the phone and say, Brother Rich, I'm, I'm stuck in a bad, bad place. I need some help. And I'll help you. And we'll, we'll figure out the problem. And you'll already know what the problem is. And we'll start to rebuild your life one brick at a time. Get you back in gear. Get you right with God. But folks, if you don't go there in the first place, you don't have to rebuild. And God says, I've delivered you from that power of darkness. I've rescued you from it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a true believer in Jesus Christ, you know this first. He is a what? A new creation. Old things, the old life, the old ways, the old passions, the old muck is passed away. And Behold, all things are become new. Can we say I'm thankful for that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us. He's transferred us is exactly what it's saying. When you trust in Christ and you escaped the power of darkness through what Jesus did for you, now he says, I put you on my private limo and I'm transferring you to the kingdom of his, of the son, of his love. What does that mean? What does it mean, the kingdom of the Son of His love? Romans 14, verse 17 explains what it is. Now, we talk a lot here about the prophetic kingdom that's going to be right here on earth. After the rapture of the church, there's a seven-year tribulation, and then a literal 1,000-year millennial kingdom when Jesus Christ will rule and reign on this earth. Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 7. That's coming. What is he talking about here, though, for Christians that is an immediate concept? He's talking about, if you will, the spiritual kingdom that me and you become part of when we trust Christ. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Folks, you want to have joy? You want to have peace? You want to enjoy life? You want to be able to relax? Do you want all the things that keep going on in the movie in your head to slow down a little bit and enjoy the Lord? And what does he say? The kingdom of God is what? It's a righteous thing. It's a being a right relationship with God where we then can experience peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Folks, if you have anxiety, if you have uh, your worry and then you're fretting and you just have no idea how you're going to make it to tomorrow and you, you start, your mind begins to say, I need to get out of this. I need to escape. I need to run. I need to do whatever it takes. And you go to the top of the home bridge as I've done so many times over the last 30 years when I was working with the sheriff's office. And sometimes you get there in time and sometimes you don't. And here's a person, they cannot deal with life one more second. And you come up to the top of the home bridge and you're looking way down, way down at Lake Michigan below or maybe the high-rise bridge and the person literally is on the other side of the deck. Should I do it? Should I jump? Should I end it all? And you begin to talk to the person. And they're going to make a conscious decision. If they haven't jumped yet, they're ready to listen. They're there. Can this person or can this negotiator, can this person show me a reason why I shouldn't end my life this very moment? and they talk i'm here to listen i was talking to someone this week uh, about who had gone through some horrific things very very challenged life with some of the things that had entered in and i said what's the most helpful thing somebody can do for somebody like you or others who struggle and they're just burdened beyond belief you know what the answer was Listen. Listen. Hear me! I said, we can do that. Do we listen to other people? When they're hurting, when they're struggling, when there's no help, there's no love, and they just need to talk through it. Folks, you know, people spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on therapy. Some of you may think I need some. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. <laughs> Thanks, John, as always. That's John Seacosh, by the way, in case anybody didn't know. Anyway, love your brother. But he's right. We all have issues. We all have things that we need to deal with. And we spend I've never done it, never will, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Can you know what the person on the other bench that's getting all that money's doing? Yeah, sure, tell me. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. And if they never come back to this one final principle, we talked about it at the funeral last night, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Now folks, if you need to go see people, you need to have people that you need to deal with and they help you, that's, that, God bless you. But what am I saying here? The bottom line is, when uh, we aren't looking for peace and joy and the way to deal with life from a good perspective, which is the only thing that brings light according to this book, is this book. Are we thankful for it? Let's hasten through. Finally, are we thankful for a guaranteed redemption? Colossians 1.14, In whom we have fancy big... Theological word in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Well, what's redemption? Redemption is to deliver by payment of a ransom. We were in Egypt, Valerie and I, with about a group of 30, 40 people multiple years ago. And we were headed towards Mount Sinai with the bus. And right the bus before us, the day before, went through what was known as a Bedouin village area, and the Bedouins came out, destroyed the bus, took people hostage. And the next day, we were going through that same area, except we couldn't go through the same streets because they blew up the streets to stop the bus from going through so they could get the hostages. What do you do with hostages? What's the purpose of it? It's to bargain with. And God says, the concept here, what happens when somebody's taken hostage? They are being held, and usually there's a price that needs to be paid to redeem them or to get them freed from the takers, if you will. And God says you, each one of us was in bondage to sin. We were in bondage to the old nature, and Jesus Christ looked at us And said, "I want to redeem you from the hold of your sin. That is redemption." Some of you that are a little bit older, and unfortunately, I got to include myself in this one. (laughs) Have you ever had SNH green stamps? Remember that, right? So every time you go to the store, they you got this machine, and you get so many stamps, and you get fill up all these books full of stamps. It was a quite the ordeal. And you'd get that book and it's all filled up with redemption stamps and you'd go to the S&H Green Stamp uh, 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 office, if you will, and it's like, wow, you can get all these cool things by turning that book in. It's kind of the same concept if you have a credit card, you get X amount of money back. Well, this was, you turn your books, S&H stamps in, they were called redemption centers. Why? Because you were turning in those stamps and you were getting something. You were redeeming those stamps for a product. And God says we have been redeemed. We have, he's paid the price. He's delivered by paying the ransom for our sin. Where was that ransom paid? Right there. The price was paid. Folks, are you thankful for that? Are you thankful that you've been redeemed? Are you thankful that Jesus Christ just, it's amazing, and I just, I never know how to verbalize it properly, the the impact, the tremendous concept that God himself, folks, we're talking about God. You say, well, I've never seen him. You're right, we haven't seen him. We, We hear from him. We talk to him, but we've never seen him. And the God who created the universe and everything that's in it, he created you. And God says you are in trouble before you've trusted Christ and I've redeemed you. And it's like God himself did that for me. Now, most of us would be amazed if another person, when we were hurting, when we were in a bad place, came up and helped us. Not that long ago, some individual, they didn't have what they needed. They're at a store line. And I was behind them, and many of you have done the same thing, and they didn't have enough money to pay for their, pay for their groceries. So I redeemed them. right? Put the money down, pay, pay the price for, that they didn't have. The person turned around and said, nobody's ever done anything for me before probably correct. And God says, are you thankful for that? Are you thankful that Jesus Christ redeemed you from hell? Folks, we don't talk about hell hardly in churches anymore. It's so politically incorrect. It's horrible. We don't talk about that. Well, folks, just like a person that's in a burning car or in a burning house and the fireman rushes in to rescue them uh, or the policeman rushes in to rescue them uh, or, the, or, the, or the person who has a heart rushes in to rescue them. It's a press conference. Wow! Did you see what happened? You rushed into that burning building. How did that feel? Hot. <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking about when you went in there? I have to save the life. I got, I got to help those people there. I knew I couldn't bear the thought of, of someone being in that building, screaming and yelling and succumbing to the smoke and succumbing to the fire. And I rushed in there. I grabbed them. We, were, we, were, we got on the floor. We were coughing. We were choking. But we made it out. And we're going to make I ran to a cross. And my father turned his back on me. And I took all of the people's sins on my back. And my own father turned his back on me because I was nothing but full of sin at that moment. And I said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Well, Jesus knew it. Because in the garden he had prayed, Father, if there's any other way to do this, I don't want you to have to turn your back on me, not even for a second. And God says, we got to do this, son. we got to do this. And Jesus did it. Folks, are you thankful? Are you thankful for your redemption? Are you thankful for your inheritance? Are you thankful for his deliverance? In 2 Corinthians, finally, chapter 9, verse 15, I love this verse. Thanks be to God for his indescribable, also the same word, unspeakable gift. It's indescribable. It's beyond what any preacher can properly state or any person can properly state. It's the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ, God's Son, the creator of the universe, giving himself for you. And folks, may I please suggest that this Thanksgiving, no matter what all the other blessings that God's given to you, and there's thousands and thousands of them, may we state this Thanksgiving, oh God, (laughs) there's coming a day when we're going to be home with you, there's coming that day when we'll receive our inheritance. And that beautiful inheritance is to be able to spend eternity with you. Yes, it'll be a beautiful environment. Yes, it'll be wonderful. Yes, we'll see all our loved ones who've trusted Christ. But I'm looking forward to that day. Are you thankful? Can you say, I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done to me. I want to live my life for you. I want to serve you day and night. Yes, I have to work. Yes, I have to do things. Yes, I have to raise a family. But may I do it all with a Christ-centered, thankful attitude. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for this group of folks, Lord, who I love more in my own life. Father, there's some here this morning that I'm sure are hurting that have trusted you and they're going through deep, dark times and Satan's trying to pull them down deeper and deeper into a place they don't want to be and shouldn't be. And Father, would you right now, would you just uh, comfort them and strengthen them and help them to get through this dark time and to cast all their cares upon you because you care for us. And Lord, just help us to be thankful. Help us to trust the Lord in all every aspect of our life. Every single thing we do to trust you and to love you and to care about you and to spend time with you and to get in the word of God and get the light and spend time in prayer, forget about ourselves and think of others and the light will be there. Father, if there's someone here this morning, maybe they're sitting in one of the chairs right here at Union Grove Baptist, maybe it's somebody watching on the internet this morning. They don't know Jesus Christ. They'd never have uh, trusted Him as their Savior. If that's you this morning, very quickly, the Bible makes it very clear that you can know for sure that when you die, you go to heaven. Number one, the Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Bible says that because we've sinned, if we got what we deserve, we'd spend forever in eternity in an awful place called hell. Revelation one eight. Romans 6.23. But God said that he loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ down from heaven, went to the cross, was uh, crucified, was buried, and three days later rose victorious from the grave. And Father, you said that the only way that we can have eternal life with you is to receive the free gift of salvation by trusting in what Jesus did. For by grace are you saved. It's through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any person should boast. Father, I pray right now, there's some right now that need to trust you as their personal Savior. And Lord, if that's you this morning, would you simply, we're going to say a little prayer. The prayer isn't what will save you. It's not what gives you eternal life. It's not an incantation. It's simply acknowledging what Jesus Christ has done for you you. If you're ready to trust Christ, would you simply tell the Lord what's in your heart right now? I'll help you say a little prayer. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I don't deserve to go to heaven. But this moment, this very moment, I realized that Jesus Christ, God's Son, went to the cross, ransomed me, redeemed me from the penalty of sin by dying on that cross, was buried, and three days later rose again, proving he was indeed God. And right now I'm receiving that free gift of eternal life by putting my faith and trust in Jesus. If you're here this morning and you've been burdened and your heart is sad and you just don't know which way to go, would you just turn back to the Lord this morning and be thankful? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Father, seal decisions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you've done for us and all God's people said.